0: Welcome, friends, to the What Do You Know podcast series. Friends, we are on a journey together talking about ministry and life and just how God is working in our ministries during this time of a pandemic. I mean, God is working in our lives in all sorts of different ways, but I think it's fascinating for us to have conversations like the one we're going to have today to really see how God is working in and through the church in different locations, but also For us to hear and see how God is pushing us to grow. Helping us learn how to reach out. To serve those around us in a better way. Friends, I hope you are blessed by this conversation that we are going to have today. So with that being said, friends, leave a comment for us in our review section. I want to hear how God is working in your life and in your ministry. Friends, I want to celebrate with you the exciting groundbreaking things that are happening in your ministries while also praying with you over the tough things that are happening so with that being said let's jump into episode 13. i hope you are blessed by today's episode welcome friends to the official what do you know podcast friends just as a reminder the goal of this podcast is to give all of you some encouragement as well as some life as we think through ministry Talk about ministry, laugh. I mean, we could even cry about ministry if we wanted because it's important to cry sometimes. Let's be real. But I think it's helpful for all of us to put into words and to remember why we got into youth ministry in the first place. I think we need to remember why we are called. That way we don't lose that passion that we had. So, friends, we are joined with another awesome Well, he's not an ex-youth worker. Like He's now a senior pastor. He's still a pastor to the students. He's actually my youth pastor from way back in the day. So welcome, Pastor Josh, to the What Do You Know podcast.
1: It is great to be here. I'm curious to find out what you know, Caleb. (laughs) What do you know?
0: I know it's wild. Sometimes I don't think I know much. I can be honest.
1: (laughs) Good place to start, by the way.
0: yes humility so my friend can you give us a quick overview of your life for some of our listeners like what do you do where are you located and then a little bit of the demographic of the church because i think it's important for all of us to take a survey of where we're doing ministry to understand how we can do ministry faithfully to the people in our community
1: that's a, a really great point so um a quick
0: overview
1: um, is this, I was born in 1981. That was a great year. Um, my dad was in studying to be in ministry and then went into ministry. So we moved all around the States within the church of the Nazarene. Um, when I graduated from high school, which was in Richmond, Virginia, South of it, Chesterfield, um, which Caleb, um, family, your family comes from there. Yes, um, they do. And when I graduated from high school, I went to Asbury College and all during Asbury College years, all four years, I did a long distance relationship with my current wife, my only wife, my my lovely wife, Aubrey. She was at Messiah College. We got married in 2003 and then started at um, Stilmano Church of the Nazarene. I came in as the middle school and fourth and fifth grade pastor, kind of like a bridge pastor. Um, and then I moved into leading all of youth ministry, and then at one point I moved to being the family pastor over children's and youth, and then most recently I've been asked to lead the entire congregation, so it's like family pastor of all, Um, and I've been doing that for two years now, Um, and so we, um, in that process, Aubrey and I, um, have had three children. Uh, We have three daughters, Cadence, Eden, and Jane, um, two of whom are now in youth ministry. What? Uh, um, And I know, I know. So it's it's kind of fun because they are um, the age, well, Jane is the age um, when I met you. So uh, my youngest daughter is how old you were when we met. And so that's weird. That's wild. I know. Um, And so now I really care about youth ministry because um, my own children are participating. And I really believe in youth ministry because when I started in it, I, I have a call to serve the church. Um, it, my call was never specifically to youth ministry. My call, I, I always sensed, was to participate wherever it was within the church that God was calling me, and I just discovered that youth ministry was the place for the first uh, 15 years of my ministry, and it was not a, like, stepping stone for where I am right now, because i I really believe that from a middle school to high school, we have the actual current church, not the future church, but um, we have human beings that are encountering the risen Lord and able to share his truth and life-changing message with others. And so I got to witness that over 15 years in youth ministry and now um, get to partner with the whole church in doing that same thing. Um, And so I'm the lead pastor. I think I already said that. Sorry, I'm looking questions, which are on this side of the screen. Um, And you asked about where we are and the context.
0: Like location wise. Yeah. Because I know where you guys are, but I don't know if our listeners do.
1: Yeah, we're in York, Pennsylvania. And so it's kind of a, it's a weird mashup of space. Like it's, we've got York City, um, and then we've got York County, um, which York County includes the suburbs and the rural areas. And so we, um, Still Meadow, has people from each each kind of section of the community, from from the urban to the suburban to the rural. And we have people who, um, across the board, are like we've got blue-collar workers, white-collar workers, but this is more of a blue-collar community. At this point, um, and so yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. There's there's a lot of demographics that we could talk about there, but um, we have two campuses. One campus is in uh, is in York City, and one campus is outside York City. It's. Um, just a li- like two miles north of the city line.
0: So, my friend, I'm going to ask you this question. I know that you made a quick reference to it, but what got you into youth ministry in the first place?
1: Uh, the first thing that got me into youth ministry was my dad was a youth pastor, so I was involved in youth ministry in high school. Um, I was a uh, so I don't I don't think actually that youth ministry for me began when I started officially as a as a pastor. Um, I, I functioned within youth ministry as a leader throughout high school and got grew in maturity, obviously in high school. And, um, and so I, what got me into it is I cared, um, for the young people who were participating in our youth group. And I cared for my friends at school. Um, and I, I wanted them to see the meaning and purpose that they could have in Jesus Christ. I wanted that in even in high school. Now I didn't know going graduating from high school that I was going to be a pastor. I knew that God wanted me to lead within the church, but I did not know if He wanted me to be a lay person to lead within the church or to be on staff within a church. And so when I went to Asbury, God kind of clarified that um, He wanted me to serve within the church. Um, and then how I got into youth ministry as a vocation was um, when I graduated from Asbury, but I, wasn't, I still wasn't sure where I was going. And I got a call from your dad while I was on uh, my honeymoon. Um, we were in Burger King, which is where you go when you're on your honeymoon. Um, and Aubrey's phone, like our first phone was a cell phone, like a little brick, um, it, it rang with a 717 number. And so she assumed, since she worked at Messiah College, that it was someone from her work calling. Um, and so we picked it up um, and then discovered that it was your dad saying, Hey, would you explore with us what it would look like to serve within our church to that population, fourth through eighth grade, that I told you about earlier? So I explored it, and God said yes to me. God said yes to this community. And then we've been following God together since. Um, and so, but really, what got me into youth ministries, a little bit of what I shared earlier, I, I fundamentally believe that. Um, Jesus going through all the stages of adolescence gives us hope for every life stage that um, it is possible to know and encounter the living God and be changed by him and be holy like him at whatever stage. And so I I wanted um, in my time in youth ministry for young people to understand they don't have to grow up to have a life that impacts others, um, that they can actually live an impactful life now under the authority and direction and love of Jesus Christ. Um, And what's kept me in youth ministry um, was seeing young people experience the comfort of God um, and experience giving that comfort to others. And so I I loved partnering with young people as they were hearing from God and then sharing God's love with other people. And so that's what kept me in it. And that's why I I really believe in it still to this day. Um, So there you go.
0: Awesome. So, my friend, if you could sit down and write a letter to yourself, mm-hmm. first as a well, I'm gonna make this a three-part letter if I can. Okay. So if you could sit down and write a letter to yourself, when you first started serving in high school, okay you first started serving as a youth worker, because I'm sure there was a middle stage between high school and youth pastor. And then what would you write to yourself as a first year youth pastor?
1: Okay. Um, first, I would write to my high school self um, and say, oh man, there's a, there's a lot of advice I think I would have because it wouldn't just be about youth ministry. Um, but I think I would say this to my, to my high school self, dear Josh, no double life. It's important what you're doing in youth ministry, but what you're doing outside of it needs to change i would I would say to myself that if you're going to serve others, you need to live a life worth imitating, and that's every part of your life. Josh. I would write the same thing to my youth worker self because I did help out with youth ministry um while I was in college because i I was still struggling with a double life, you know growing in sanctification is that process of no more double life, being filled with love at every second of the day with all of the habits of my mind and all the actions of my body. And so I, I, would, I would write myself that both in, in high school and in college. Um, if I were to write myself a letter as in my first year, um, I would say, read Doug Field's, first 2 years in youth ministry <laughs> I, would say, I would say read that um and take seriously um the the art of scheduling because managing your time is actually managing the gift that god has given you um i i don't i underestimated the power of time when i first started and um i kind of viewed it as an endless resource and just kind of like flew by the seat of my pants which you can sustain for a little bit, but you cannot sustain forever. Um, but what I found as, as a married man, managing my schedule well is actually loving my family well and loving my church well and loving God well. And so I would, I would say, all right, be really intentional, lean into those people who are helpful in um, helping you schedule. Um, and that, that sounds really weird, but it's actually a holy endeavor. And when you're setting up your schedule, I would say this: there's a non-negotiable. Your time with God every day, not in the office. I tried, I tried to have quiet time regularly um, for the first few years of ministry. And I would come to the office and have that. Um, and I understand some people do that, but I discovered is my soul was more integrated, my heart was more content, my mind was more at rest, when I had the regular schedule of quiet time at home before anything else. It helped me approach the day with God's love that I had received in that quiet time. And so I, or it does, it still does right now. And so I tell myself that. Um, And then I would also tell myself, um, remember, It's not on your shoulders. Um, Like we read in the earlier thing, um, um, Colossians chapter one talks about how Jesus is before all things and in him, all things hold together. In ministry, um, I have had the tendency of thinking that if I don't do A and B, then everything's going to fall apart. There's this narrative in my mind that if I don't, um, if I, you know, if, if there's, if there are tasks left undone, that um then the world and universe like i like i when i write it out i realize it's silly but i actually think it and feel it i would tell myself listen it's on his shoulders and so one of the best things you can do in ministry is to trust god and relax not not just like be flippant about it but realize he's holding it together and walk forward confident that he's holding it together So I would, I would, that's a couple things I would tell myself.
0: I'm curious, how did you work through that feeling of having everything on your shoulders? Because I know as being a youth pastor, I guess I'm in my second year. I actually just passed that, which is wild to me. I still have that feeling a little bit, but how did you work through that understanding of that feeling of having everything on your shoulders when you don't get a task done? I'm still learning. Um, but it, I needed to hear that from God. I, I've heard God speak
1: to me a few times audibly in my life. And one of the times that was crystal clear, I heard him say to me, it's not on your shoulders. It's not on your shoulders. It, it's not on your shoulders. He just repeated that message to me until I believed it. Um, And I broke, like even now thinking about it, it was so real and it was so needed. And so um, that's something that I needed to hear from God. And so if someone is listening right now that is feeling like everything's on their shoulders, let me be the voice of God right now. Just say, it's not on your shoulders. It's not. Trust him.
0: There's important words right there. I know that's, that was important for me to hear because you gave me this piece of advice. If you're a jack of all trades, you can't do anything excellently. It's true. Jack of all trades, master of none, right? That's the, <laughs> that's the phrase. I, I had it in my head, but it got the general idea. So what is it? Jack of all trades, master of none.
1: Yes. Here, here's the deal. I, 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 um, I never get everything done on my task list. Some people would say that's because I don't know how to manage my time. Well, Um, I think I might agree with them. Um, maybe, Um, and it's also a a symptom of still learning how to delegate because, um, part of being a pastor and part of being a leader is empowering other people, um, to minister with you. And so sometimes, um, I've had to go, okay, when, I, when I'm regularly not getting a certain task done, is it because I'm avoiding it because I don't like it? Or is, it bec- is that something that, um, if it's something, by the way, if it's something I'm avoiding because I don't like it, then I move it to the front of my task list, like get it done first type thing. Um, but then is it something that um, someone else can do? Am I stealing someone else's joy um, by doing their task? Um, and then I'll, I'll like say, Oh, that person can probably do that. And then I'll investigate. And then that'll be a relational bridge for me to invest in that person, um, which does mean more time, but in the long run means, um, greater kingdom impact. So, um, those are two things that I think though, when I'm looking at my task list and the regular things that aren't getting done. Um, but then I also just tell myself, listen, like God didn't make the world in a day, like and um, God is very patient um, and he's the one doing the saving. I'm not like anytime I preach a sermon, there's still, there's a sense of, Oh, I wish I had said blank. You know, I wish I had I meant to do it, say it this way. Um, but it's, it's the role of the Holy spirit to do the convicting and the teaching. We do the presenting. He sinks it into the soul. You know what I mean? So that's that. And so I've had to grow in that understanding myself.
0: So my friend, we're kind of transitioning into this. and I'm going to mess up. I'm going to mix up the questions on you, but with all that being said, how do you avoid burnout in this crazy life that we're living right now? I mean, if you guys aren't living underneath the rock, you know that we have several tensions going on right now, Uh, racially this whole COVID thing. And then there's the whole economy on top of all of that. So my friend, how do you avoid burnout with trying to get, everything done for your church, while also trying to be a pastor during these three major firestorms?
1: I, I think that's a, Oh, I was, I was trying to look up um, some notes on my phone for this question, but it's not, it's not coming up. So I was, I was paying attention, paying attention, but um, how do you avoid burnout is a really good question. And I was going to um, talk, I was going to quote to you, Um, from this book called Anxious People, Anxious Church um, by Jack Shitama, And really great book. Like when we get to book recommendations, um, put that up there. But he talks about um, ways that we need to, um, ways that we can manage stress, really. Um, But one of the things that, um, one of the things that I have found is regular, at regular quiet time, Like, that helps me stay in tune with my mind and my heart and my body and my soul, right? Like, that's kind of a morning check-in. How is is Josh doing? Is he living in peace and harmony with God? Is he living in peace and harmony with himself? Is he living in peace and harmony with his family and with his workplace? So the daily check-in for me is really helpful. I also um, have found that I've got to rest, and so I have a day of rest with my family on Fridays that's dedicated for that, Um, and so Pete Scazzaro, he talks about that in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, that like taking Sabbath delight in God, Um, and he's not the only one who talks about that, but he just provides really practical instructions for that. And so that's actually part of realizing it's not all on your shoulders. When you stop is a way of proclaiming to the world. When you shut off Facebook, when you unplug Instagram, when you close the computer, it's a way of saying to the world, um, you can spin on without me. Um, And so that's one way that I avoid burnout. Another way is just to, to practice joy to laugh, um, and so to be intentional about that. Um, I I like how John Mark Comer talks about how Jesus is probably the the most joyful human being that ever existed. Um, And so like for me is to practice that, is to laugh, to listen to my kids um, tell stories and to tell jokes. Um, And so if you aren't leading with joy, um, you will lead into burnout. And if you're not leading with hope, you will also lead into burnout. And so that's another thing I would add to that. I avoid burnout by asking God for hope and remembering the kingdom vision that God is going to accomplish it all. He's going to bring all people. He's going to fix all the problems, bring us all together in the end. We have hope in that. and We have hope in him. And so I keep hope and I keep joy and I keep resting. That's that's one of the ways that I um, avoid burnout.
0: Important reminders for all of us. Now, again, you briefly mentioned this a little bit ago, but how do you stay motivated in ministry? Again, life is crazy, but how do you stay focused on the goal at hand that God has presented to you? Okay. That's a,
1: that's a really good question. Um, How do I stay motivated? Um, That again goes to my, like the daily routine um the morning check-in is a daily reminder of my purpose and so like it focuses my mind on what's ahead it um it reminds me that i'm a part of this big thing god is doing um and so i i stay motivated um by by staying in the by staying in the story and seeing how god worked in the past Um, and then understanding that he's still, the the God that we see in this scripture who shows up in very real ways to very real people um, is still showing up in very real ways to very real people in my life today. And so I stay motivated because of this deep faith that God is real and God is loving and God wants to Let all people know that, and so that's—I don't—that that feels really simple, um, but that's 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 the truth for me. So,
0: awesome. So, I'm just getting excited talking about this. Um, So let's let's move on to some of the book recommendations that you that you briefly mentioned. So, guys, in the Nazarene Church, we're not only encouraged, but we are instructed. To continue our learning process. Yeah. That way we don't, I don't want to say become dull. That's not the right word. That way we don't take our eye off the ball. That way we can stay focused. So Josh, do you have any book recommendations that you would say are key to your learning? Any things that's just stood out to you? And then what books are you reading that you could just say here, you need to read this? Yes. And these books will be in the show notes, guys, so you don't have to stop, rewind, stop, rewind. I'll write them down in the show notes. So, take it away, my friend. Okay, not to be cheesy, don't go a day without reading this. We're on recording, so they can't really see that. Oh,
1: sorry. Ha. We're on Zoom, so I assume that we're recording at video. So all those facials that I was doing don't matter.
0: No, okay. not I a saw that. <laughs>
1: I'm holding up a Bible and I'm saying um, right now, uh, as a minister of the gospel, um, that we must not go a day without reading or meditating on his word. Um, all the other book recommendations that I'm going to give are secondary to that. And I, I think that that our churches, our world needs. They need ministers who the word is living within them and coming out of them, informing everything that they do. Um, and it's through the word that we understand the other books that I'm gonna to talk to you about, okay? Um, a couple of years ago, I decided I wanted to learn from voices that were different than mine, um, meaning I'm white um, and I'm a male. Um, my whole life, I have learned primarily from white males, um, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. I didn't, I'm, I wasn't feeling guilty about that, and I'm not saying people who only learn from white males need to feel guilty about that. I'm saying that I felt God calling me to um, to realize that there are a lot more voices and ways that He has blessed the community of the church, um, and so to lean in and listen to um, voices of color and um, women. And so um, one book that I recently read that kind of actually gets both of those categories um, is Healing Racial Trauma. Um, That is by Sheila Wise Rowe. Um, And this is particularly um, important in our conversations these days um, with the racial unrest in our community. Um, and I, I just appreciate the stories that she shares in here. I appreciate um, how she um, puts um, the experience of racism on the level of trauma and then calls us to be a community of healing um, and gives practical ways um, for, for us to participate in that. She is kind of writing it um, to therapists or people in therapy, but as a pastor, I found it incredibly helpful. Um, another book my wife just gave me um, for Father's Day is Renovated. Um, it, this just came out, um, and it's written by Jim Wilder, and it's, the subtitle is God, Dallas Willard, and the Church that Transforms. I'm loving this book. I'm greatly enjoying um, the, the kind of the back and forth between Dallas Willard and Jim Wilder. They're exploring um, this idea of ne- neurotheology. Have you heard about that?
0: I have not. Can you give us a quick rundown on it?
1: Yeah, it's, it's how to change your life under the influence of the Holy Spirit through the understanding of how the brain works. Mm. And so if we are to come, become a loving person at all times, how do we change our automatic responses, which are not always loving? And so they look at like, why do we respond the way that we respond? Um, and it's just a very interesting take. Um, and they, and they say that the goal is of emotional or spiritual maturity is to love your enemy the way Jesus does automatically, no matter what.
0: That's fascinating. Oh my goodness. I mean, I've read books that talk about understanding our neurological reactions Yeah. In the business world. Like, I'll be honest, I've tried to expose myself to stuff outside of the religious context because there are some leadership books that really highlight how people act, but I've never heard it in a, I've never heard that conversation enter into the religious world or into the Christian world. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So check it out. Another, another
1: one that I um, recommend, repeatedly um, that I've not read recently, but I go back to and look at for quotes. is called The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb. It's written by J- Jamin Goggin, I don't know how to say his name, and Kyle Strobel. Um, and it's, I think it's 12 chapters, and it's interviews of different um, theological leaders. That's 10 chapters. Um, and it's, really an exploration of how Jesus used his own power with really kind of the accusation against the American church that has um, not used power well. Um, And so that's why they call it the way of the dragon, which is the way of the world or the way of the lamb, which is the way of Jesus, which is the way of sacrifice and self-surrender. But, it's that, so they interviewed different people they interviewed Eugene Peterson they interviewed Jan, um John Perkins they weren't able to interview Martin Luther King Jr but they did a chapter on him um it's very 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 helpful i um i i, I found it just really um really instructive um and so I I recommend that. Another one that I I said earlier um, was Anxious People, Anxious Church by Jack Shatama. Um, And that actually is a condensed version of Edwin Friedman's um, failure of nerve. Um, Jack Shatama is a Christian. Edwin Friedman is a Jew. Um, And so Jack Shatama took Friedman's idea of being a non-anxious presence and how to lead in an anxious society or anxious culture. Um, He took Edwin Friedman's ideas and then brought it specifically into the church. Very practical, very helpful. Um, There were so many aha moments as I was reading that like, oh yeah, that totally happens here. And okay, now I know how I should respond when such and such happens. Um, Another book that um, is kind of connecting to our time right now and dealing with um, what is being exposed in the racial unrest is this book by Jamar Tisby called The Color of Compromise. Um, And it is the story of the American church's complicity in continuing um, racist ideas and racist systems it's not an easy read, not because it's written poorly or written at too high of a level. It's not an easy read um, because what he has to say about the American church is kind of embarrassing being a child of the American church. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, And so um, you have to come into it with humility and a desire to learn um, and I, I think that's a really important work for us to read right now, um, and I, I appreciate his his voice in that. So,
0: man, I'm gonna have to start reading those books now, man. So, my friend, what sort of advice would you give to youth workers and youth pastors today? So. I have um, a thing that I've
1: repeated for a long time and I stole it from Doug Fields who probably stole it from somebody else. Um, But it goes like this, Um, live a life worth imitating, love people right where they are and challenge them to take the next step. Live a life worth imitating, love people right where they are and challenge them to take the next step. Your life matters um, to God and your life matters to this world. God's salvation of you as a youth pastor or youth worker is not just to get you into heaven, but also so that your life will be a display for his goodness, love, and righteousness, and peace, and joy in this world. And so teens need to see the authentic life of Jesus lived out in youth workers. They don't need awesome lessons. They don't need really fun games in the end. What they need is they need to see Jesus with skin on. Um, And so, um, and that will come out as you lead in games, right? If you are are really awesome at playing games and you're really impatient, you're teaching the children and youth that you're leading that impatience is actually part of the character of Christ. Stop it. (laughs) Allow God to minister to you and heal you from that. Um, if you um, can't discipline someone within your ministry without anger, you're teaching your youth that anger has a place, an un- unholy anger has a place in the, in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. So you've got to live a life worth imitating, meaning allowing God to change and correct you. That's what I would say. I would also say don't do it alone. Um Your ministry will be more effective if you can bring partners with you to also minister. And don't just think that it needs to be adults who are ministering with you. Always find ways to partner with adults and partner with young people. That was one of my favorite things in youth ministry was um, bringing along young people in the execution of the ministry. You were one of those. Um, And so I look back on those days with a lot of joy in my heart. We had a lot of fun. But we both—I actually got to learn about God from you, and I and I hope that you were able to learn about God from me. And so, and then we were able to impact more people than I would on my own, um, because we partnered together.
0: So that's just a little bit of advice I would give to youth workers today. So partner with each other. That's awesome. Yeah. So, my friend, what is exciting you right now? Uh, first in the church, and then maybe outside of church, because I think we as youth pastors and pastors need to remember that we can be excited about things outside of the church too. Yeah. So um,
1: real talk, what's exciting me outside the church is um, this racial conversation that's being held on a national level. I'm, I'm excited for the church to lead the way within their own congregations and within their communities of what it looks like for people of diverse backgrounds and different experiences and different cultures and different skin colors to work together for the glory of God. I I think um, this is a prime opportunity for us as a church um, to bring attention to the change that Jesus Christ's forgiveness and love, what that does in a person and in a community. Um, I know that there are people who resist this conversation, thinking that this is just a liberal move um, that, and so if you participate in this conversation, you're just operating with the left. Um, But I would say the conversation about racial reconciliation has actually been happening since the beginning of the church. When you read um, the New Testament, um, Jesus, like Jesus Christ, is talked about repeatedly um, doing things that bring the races together. The image in the um, in Revelation is all nations, tribes, and tongues worshiping God together. And so, like we see that that's going to be in the end. And then Jesus also said, "The kingdom of heaven is now," and so we are actually living in a foretaste of heaven right now and so part of our job as a church is to be an example of what heaven's going to look like right now but that does mean we're going to have to have some difficult conversations we're going to have to do some heart checks on like have i been avoiding this because i'm afraid of conflict or i'm afraid of where, what i'm responsible for so i'm i'm actually really excited for these conversations here at still meadow and in the church of the nazarene and in the church in america and i think around the world I I heard a pastor in our community say that um, what has stunted revival in the past has been racial tension, that there were some there's been moves of God that stopped because people refused to um, open the door to people who were different than them. And so like, and he was making the argument that racial reconciliation is actually a part of the renewal that God wants to do in the church in America. I'm like, sign me up. I want to be a part of that. Um, And so that's, that's something that's exciting me these days.
0: Awesome. So my friend, as we're kind of wrapping up our time here, how can we be praying for you and your ministry?
1: Well, you can pray um, that I would relax in Jesus's joy. Um, You can pray that I would extend that joy and love um, to my immediate family. That's my wife and daughters and our neighborhood. um, And that our church would also live into that. Pray for us in that conversation I was just referencing. Um, You know, you lived in York. Um, Those conversations are not always easy to have. There, um, there is a history of racial tension here um, that is unholy, and um, and so as we address this, there will be things that we are going to have to face with um, with courage and humility. So just pray for our church that we would have humility in the conversation, but also courage to press on in that. Um, pray so pray for healing in the broken relationships that exist within our community. Um, with, Um, pray for, pray specifically for our black community and pray specifically for our police um, force. Um, I I believe that um, both are moving forward in a, in a really healthy way. And I want our church to be a part of that too. And so there's a lot that you can pray for us about, but those are a few things off the top of my head.
0: Well, let's go to the father in prayer. Lord, thank you today for the opportunity to just come together on this podcast. Lord, it's, a cool picture, the more I talk with different leaders in our church, how we all have different contexts, and we all are sitting in a different place. But, Lord, all of our hearts are seeming to echo the same thing. Lord, thank you for that. But, Lord, I want to pray right now for Josh and his family and his church that you will help them relax in your joy and your love. Lord, I also want to pray that you would help them extend that to everyone around them. Lord, help them be a beacon of light to a place that is hurting, to a dark world that needs to see you. Lord, help them show humility in all of the conversations and all the avenues in which they're trying to bring reconciliation to the area around them. Lord, help them live out their calling, live out their life, live out the love that you give them in a humble manner. But Lord, help us, help Josh, help the Still Meadow Church, live out this calling of love and humility. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, I also want to pray for healing. I want to pray for healing in the York community. I want to pray for healing in our churches. I want to pray for healing in our country. Lord, we need healing. Lord, I want to pray for the black communities. Lord, we're in a tough conversation, and we need your guidance in all of this. Lord, I want to pray for the police force. Lord, you'll bring conviction where there needs to be conviction. And Lord, I pray you'd help display grace when there needs to be grace displayed. Lord, help all of these communities and all these things to come together. Lord, we want to pray for your church, that we can lead the way, that we can show the way by taking the steps ourselves. Lord, help our church, help the York church, help the Owego church, help the Nazarene church, help the U.S. church to lead the way in reconciliation and love for you, but also love for others that don't exactly have the same outlook that we do. Lord, again, thank you for giving us your goodness and your grace. Lord, we can't thank you enough for all those things. Lord, thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Josh, for being a part of What Do You Know? This has been an awesome conversation. Just to hear what's happening in the York Church and to hear how God is moving and wrestling with all these things.
1: It was really great to be with you. And um, friends, I love you that are listening. Stay strong. God is with you, and he is
0: enough. Yes. So friends, some quick reminders, share this podcast with somebody that you think will get something out of it. I don't want this to be something that I'm doing just for fun, but I want this again to be a podcast where you can sit and learn and laugh and wrestle with hard conversations. I also want us to remember why we got into ministry. So share this with somebody that you think would get something out of it. I want this to be something that we as a church, we as youth pastors and youth workers and pastors in general can share with each other and just ask the hard questions and talk about things that God has laid on our heart. So friends, share this with somebody. Also, give us a review. I wanna know how we can do this better. So friends, I will talk to you later. You'll hear from me next week. Bye now.